three, two, one. Got a blast! And we're, we're live. Like, we Never are mind. live from a studio audience, from a studio near you. Studio. Or actually probably really far from most of you. Although a lot of you are in Alaska, but most of the United States, that not most of the United States listen to, <laughs> I wish. Everybody. Awesome. Most of the United States listens to us. So everybody else should totally think we're cool. Um, you know, I have a listener in like the next room it's really awkward oh that is really awkward <laughs> yeah what a loser what a loser she like lives with you and everything i know she's such a stalker that's so weird you should my... like call your like um agent or something or your publicist oh i should that's such a good idea thank you i, didn't, I never thought Welcome. of that yeah <laughs> um do we have any announcements Send in your creepy kids stories. If you are yes. on board with this idea, I posted something on Facebook yesterday and Instagram. If you are on board with our idea about hearing kids' point of view of creepy things or just their own little take on stories, send in the recordings of them telling you a story or like a video. We can get their audio from it. Yeah, we'll just like, extract the audio from it. Yeah, and uh, you can have it you know not give their names if you don't want to that's fine yeah we um, respect privacy if, yeah if you want credit where credits do let us know we're happy to give or like credit. send a cute little nickname yeah that would be like cute if you call them like pumpkin like i call charlotte my, pumpkin so or my gremlin that's a good yeah one. yeah gremlin yeah. from whatever state you're in so anyway yeah, we want to hear yeah, yeah, that would be really cool or country yeah wherever exactly. you're at so um send those in to wwtnpodcast at gmail dot. Nope. What is it? What's our? That was that what? was the correct email. wwtnpodcast oh. at gmail dot com. <laughs> Everything's just auto for me, so I. I don't. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um. So I have a question for you. You ready? Yeah. Okay. If you didn't have a choice, what color crayon would you eat straight from the box? If I didn't have a choice, like oh oh, like as like in someone's like, forcing you to eat a crayon, what color would you pick? I'm gonna go with purple, purple or red, because I typically like grape or strawberry things. Yeah, that's a good idea. But that's if it's cherry, no, I don't no. like cherry flavored. I just I like either. cherries. What about you? What color would you pick? Uh, pink. Pink. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, I think like you know those. Uh, pink vitamin waters yeah that's what i think the color pink would taste like <laughs> <laughs> you know i know what a crayon tastes like because it probably tastes the way it smells you know how certain things oh, like yeah. or a lot of things like taste the way they smell yeah i feel like i know what a crayon tastes like and i don't <laughs> need to do that so i'm good but if the, uh, if that were to ever happen I have uh, something that I don't know if we talked about this before, but if you look around your room, you know exactly what everything tastes like. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> like whenever you were a baby or a kid, you put everything in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> like I, you, I've seen that before. Like people look around your room and be like, yep. I know what all of this. I don't need like. to lick my comforter. <laughs> I, don't need to I was my biting comforter. it last night with my husband. <laughs> Ew, free. Okay, so uh, oh, you went uh, first last week, right? Yeah, but speaking of putting things in your mouth that you shouldn't be putting in your mouth, um, so funny story. Um, you know Josh's buddy, who's in the military, who watched our house. Yeah, Andrew. Charlotte was asking about him the other day. She's like how is he? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, I, I assume he's probably good. Oh, he's, he's, uh, I believe he's overseas right now. And she's like, well, I really want to see what's his name. I can't remember. And I was like, I don't know. She's like, you know, he's dad's friend with who likes to eat Play-Doh. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? It's like, <laughs> and Josh was right there too. And he's like, 
what? (laughs) (laughs) But I remember like something being said along the lines talking about don't eat the Play-Doh and he was over at the time. And I feel like he had said something about, I used to eat (laughs) Play-Doh. And so Charlotte, now that's how she remembers this adult is the guy who ate Play-Doh, who eats (laughs) Play-Doh. It's so funny what some things stick in their mind. Like you probably would have never remembered that, but she's like, she, now she knows this guy. Like, yeah, that dude eats Play-Doh. Play-Doh guy. Good for him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. Yeah. Do you have a neighborhood? Sorry. I losers. I don't know what okay. that means. This is, uh, I, I don't know, next door, Facebook. I don't know. I got it from Google. It says, uh, it's a picture, and I will put the explanation in it first. It says, I asked my neighbor, my next door neighbor, to take my bin out, like the trash, as okay. I wouldn't be home. And he definitely went above and beyond. So it's um, the neighbor sitting with the trash can at the park and then like on the swing set with the trash can. Also like out you. on a date. <laughs> yes. That's cute. <laughs> it's cute. I love it. Um, oh, I, I love could see you doing that to me. I thousand percent would do that. <laughs> I feel like I've done that before. Not to me. Never took my trash can out. Not the trash can. Oh, you know what? I think it was that was you. Um, oh, Aww. wait! I've heard my ringtone before. Yeah, <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> yeah, it's Star Wars. Yeah, and when you call me, it's the oh, the Michael me. Myers. Yeah, yeah, but piano version, fancy, the original version. It, is it? Yeah, but it's like different. Maybe it's a prettier version. Yeah, it's a prettier version. Yeah. Uh-oh. Aw. I put it on silent. Here, do it again. I wanted to hear it. Okay, do it again. Oh, it's prettier. Whoa. Nice. Yeah. It's like a Mozart Um, take on Halloween. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I am so excited for you for this story, okay? Well, thank you. So, (laughs) you're welcome. Um, So, but I am going to do a trigger warning. There is a small mention of a miscarriage in the story. I'll warn everybody ahead of time um, before I mention it. It's not a big part of the story, um, but I will, like, say, like, hey, this is the time. And you'll just, like, if you don't want to hear about it, skip, like, 10 seconds. Okay, so... We're in the late 1990s, early 2000. So, welcome to the World Wide Web. Also, this story is also known as the first internet murder. Whoa. History here. Yeah. So, Jerry was born. What? Not really like a history you should be proud of. (laughs) No. No, 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 no. So, Jerry was born in Kansas City, Missouri in 1960. He was the youngest of four boys. He was adored by everyone, but was pretty com- competitive with his older brothers. I mean, you have to be at that age, you know, like you're the youngest. So, they loved going fishing as a family, so they had a normal upbringing. When Jerry became an adult, he entered into the police academy and got a job at the police station. He was, like, super proud of himself. His career was pretty successful he moved up the chain fairly quickly um and eventually he became a homicide detective um super cool job yeah like good for him you know and he he like was so proud of his job so proud of it jerry married a woman named barbara who was a dispatcher at the police department barbara had two kids of her own and then jerry and barbara had a son together Things were good until 1998. He was 38 years old. Uh, Jerry discovered something was not right within the police department. He had proof that high-ranking officials had falsified documents in a murder investigation. Okay. So Jerry decided to say something because if you see something, you have to say something. Yeah. Have to, but you should. Um, But the officers who falsified the documents 
they got fired from their positions, which was, you know, good, um, which would probably make you, like, cheer Jerry on, like, yay, good job, you did a good job, but, like, he, no one liked him. They were super uh, pissed. Yeah, you know, er- everyone thought he was, like, a tattletale. Everyone was mad at him for doing the right thing. He ended up getting demoted for this, and they would write him up for petty things, And they made his life just very uncomfortable at the station. And because he had so many write-ups, he ended up getting fired. Oh. So, because they couldn't fire him. That's so messed up. I know. They couldn't fire him because he was a whistleblower because you're protected for that. But everyone didn't like him. Right. So, which is really sad. That's sad. Yeah. This caused Jerry to be depressed. He loved this job. He felt like he was helping the community and being a part of something bigger. Um, he went on to search for a new job and found a job at Harrow's Casino as a security officer. Um, did I tell you where we're at? We're in Odessa. Kansas City? Odessa. Or you, no. you moved? He was born in Kansas City. Yes, but we're in Odessa, Missouri. Okay, okay. Yeah, Sorry. Um, so he went on to at this job at, as a security officer working at the casino, and the sorrows of being a whistleblower led him to be a little bit of a in a party phase. After a while, Jerry realized he needed a change of pace, so he put in a request for a transfer to Reno, Nevada, and it was approved. So he and his family all got up and moved. They're like, "This is fun. We're moving to Reno." Um, Jerry ended up beca- becoming a card stealer there That's and cool. made, making some pretty good money. Lots I of bet. good tips. Yeah. Um, but the party phase didn't end. It followed him to Reno. Um, he was drinking more, part- partying more. And his wife was like, nah, I'm tired of this. So she took their three kids and moved back to Missouri. Okay. So obviously filed for a divorce after this jerry had just a series of bad luck he got in trouble with the law a few times uh his family saw he was struggling so they offered to help move him back and they're like you know you can live with your cousin he's happy to help you he wants to help you so he moved in with his cousin and his wife lynn he lived in like an apartment i couldn't really figure out it said an apartment on their property but the way it sounds, like, the way the things end up happening, it sounds like it's, like, an apartment that's, like, attached to the house. Okay. And Like a this, mother-in-law? Yeah. And then the, um, the apartment also had, like, a section, uh, their own section of a basement. Okay. So, okay. It's like my uh, house, sort of-ish. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 So, um... I don't know how much time actually passed between him moving in and now, but Lynn and her husband had not seen Jerry for a few days, which is not necessarily uncommon, but it was kind of weird. They had left the house, you know, he hasn't, hadn't left the house or even heard from him. Um, It was known that Jerry would spend time in the apartment section part of the basement. Wait, what did I just say? It was known that Jerry would spend some time in his section of the basement um, when he wasn't doing good as normal, like when he was kind of like in a depressed bout. He'd have like a routine. Well, when he would like get depressed, he would go down to the basement. Um, And add to the depression. Yeah. It's like whenever yeah. you're crying and you look in the mirror and see that you're crying, it just you makes it worse. <laughs> or you listen to sad music. Yes. <laughs> it's like get it all out right now. <laughs> um, he would like go down there to get his head straight and, you know, decompress and stuff like that. So it wasn't too alarming, but they were like, no, you know, it's it's in their thoughts. Like we haven't seen him for a while. So then Lynn started smelling an odd smell around the, her house. And that's when I, when I said, like, I feel like the house, his apartment was attached to him because she was smelling this weird smell. So she goes down to his basement and she saw Jerry sitting in a lazy boy and he was like 
facing away from like the entrance of the basement. And so she started calling out to him and he wasn't responding. And when she walked up to him, the smell was getting stronger and stronger. And she finally was able to tell that Jerry had unalived himself. Oh no. Yeah. I was not expecting that. <sighs> yeah. Okay. So, I was expecting there to be a, a body down there, but not his own. Oh, yeah. Okay. So everyone is understand understandably upset and the days go by and it came time to finally like clean out his apartment. So his brother, I forgot his brother's name. I want to say it was Matt. Mm, I probably talk about it later in his oldest brother, his oldest brother took it upon himself to um, clean out the apartment. And when they were going through his things, they found a black briefcase briefcase and when they opened it they realized that jerry had a treasure trove of secrets whoa okay so on top of the briefcase there were three separate letters addressed to separate members of the family one of the envelopes oh his name is mike one of the envelopes was addressed to mike his oldest brother and written next to it in bold letters said do not open alone. So everyone's like, what the heck? I mean, I would have like opened it and like yeah. pretended not to Bleh. see it or <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or just to prepare it. myself. Yeah. So that I'm not like I kind of already know what's happening. Yeah. And then like, oh yeah, I didn't I didn't open it. Yeah. But so I don't, know, the, I don't know what it says. <laughs> so Jerry's family got an attorney to make sure like whatever's in this envelope, like we're not going to be responsible for right like, i mean maybe whatever. because like also like they knew his background and then yeah. also that he had had some trouble afterwards so like yeah i okay. don't know so all they, right they, yeah so they got this attorney so the letter in the letters were his confessions and an explanation as to why he ended his life and what his ultimate sin was which was three months prior to his suicide he had committed murder. Well, okay, okay. Yeah. The homicide so, became the homicider, homicidal. Yeah. yeah. So he killed a man in Michigan named Bruce Miller. And this obviously the family was like, what? No. Not, not, no. Not our Jer. Not Jer. He didn't, no way. <laughs> so. Let's put a pin in that. We're going to rewind and head over to Flint, Michigan on the night of November 8th, 1999. Okay. So Bruce Miller worked at the General Motors plant in Flint, Michigan. He loved taking things apart and putting them back together. He was just like a little, little guy. Um, he owned a junkyard as well. Um, and on November 8th, his wife, Cherie, called him and asked to pick up pizza on the way home. They hung up and out of freaking nowhere, someone comes out of the dark and shoots Bruce and killing him. Oh, there was literally no trace, like no fingerprints, not like a follicle of hair, nothing. Okay. Trace like the, the case was a total dead end. Um, so Sh Cherie had just gotten off the phone with her, with Bruce and was waiting for Bruce to come home with, with the pizza. But instead a police officer arrived at her home to, to deliver the bad news of her husband. She was obviously devastated, like on the crown ground crying. Um, and then three months later in States away, Jerry's letter states Bruce's murder had been staged. He said Jerry had traveled to over nine hours to Flint, Michigan for the sole purpose to murder Bruce. Oh, wait, so, Jerry said this in a letter? Yeah, Jerry, that was his in his confession envelope. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So let's talk about Cherie. Cherie was about 20 years younger than Bruce. She didn't have the greatest upbringing. Her mom had men coming in and out of her life growing up. This caused Cherie to also not pick the best men when she became an adult. She ended up having three children by her mid-20s and didn't have a great steady job. But she also worked as a Mary Kay consultant. But she ended up getting a steady job. That was a very at... well-respected job then, too. Yes, it I was. I will say. My grandma was a Mary Kay. <laughs> 
my sister sold Mary Kay, but there was a lady in our neighborhood. Um, I think Did she, she get still the pink has car? it. She had the pink car. Yeah, oh, man. The Cadillac. <laughs> yeah. So she finally found a steady job as a bookkeeper at Bruce's junkyard. And that is how they met. In two months into the relationship, Cherie moved her her and her three kids into Bruce's house. He loved her kids and supported her and did whatever he needed to do to help her. She also he also bought her a computer to help her sell Mary Kay products. Aww. Yeah, so he is like, I got you, babe. Uh Bruce sounds like he was a good guy. He sounds like a great guy. But you know how the World Wide Web can become a dark and scary place, Bree. Oh, oh, yeah. Cherie found herself spending most of her time on the internet, jumping from one AOL chat room to another. Oh, man. She found it entertaining to flirt with people and whoever you wanted to be and live, you know, you were able to be whoever you wanted to be and live a completely different life. She also had tons of different screen names. Um... We all did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hers were like supposed to be like sexy, you know? But mine were always like, like stupid. Hers would like just be very blunt. And one of them was, I want to be laid. Oh, okay. That's so um, not even clever. It grabbed a lot of attention. You could have at least been clever about it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and because Bruce was a lot older than her, he really didn't understand what she was doing. He didn't know what the chat rooms were. Oh, you know, what chat poor rooms Bruce. Are. Yeah. So, you know, it was easy for her to get away with it. Okay. And yeah. in April of 1999, they ran off to Vegas to get married. And Cherie also went on the Montel talk show. Do you remember that talk show? Yeah, I think so. It was like some daytime talk mm-hmm. talk show um, to bring raise awareness of child of child abuse and talked about how one of her children was abused in the past. Um, she didn't tell her husband this, like, "Yo, I'm going on this show." He just like found out about it later, which was kind of weird. Oh. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um. A lot of people speculate that she did it for attention rather than to, like, bring awareness, but who knows. Um, so, Cherie was Bruce's fourth wife and would tell people he loved being married and getting married. Aww. And honestly, it sounds like he just likes the honeymoon stage yeah. and not, like, the hard times. <laughs> The actual marriage victim- part. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not victim blaming here, but that's what it kind of sounds like. Like, <laughs> so you just like feeling happy and you like the butterfly yeah. part. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, um, this was Cherie's third marriage. He, uh, he loved her kids and supported her and whatever. I already told you all that. So this is where she met Jerry because Jerry and Cherie know each other. Oh, in Nevada. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This, uh, this was just one week after she married Bruce. Um, I'm sorry. The internet is where she found met each. They met each other in a chat room. Okay. 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 So at this time, Jerry is still currently in Reno before he moved to his cousins. It was right after his wife left him, so he was super vulnerable. Vulnerable. I can't say it. Thank you. Vulnerable. Um, <laughs> uh, they talked a lot in the chat rooms. There's like hundreds of thousands of messages between the two of them. Jerry really opened up to her, and she would motivate him and send words of affirmation she'd be like he'd be like i'm really sad today and she'd be like oh it's okay you know and you can do they, it. yeah you can do it this also progressed to sheree sending sexy photos of herself to him and this made jerry feel good about himself which good you mean him. sheree aka i want to get laid sent sexy photos to him Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Cherie told Jerry that she was very wealthy and she owned multiple nursing homes. 
Um, and she was currently in a lawsuit, which would give her a huge payout, which obviously none of that was true, but she was like telling him, yo, I can help you out financially. Like I'll set you up. And Jerry was like, oh yeah, that sounds great. I really love that. That thank you stranger on the internet. I want to get laid.com. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, uh, they would talk a lot about this fairy tale future of them together and how she made plans to, and, oh, and she made plans to fly out to Reno to meet him in person. Oh, Again, oh my gosh. This was not even a month into her marriage. But also people are so like, that's so scary. You didn't even, oh. have, well, I guess they had pictures of each other, but still like, I guess we meet like that nowadays. It's just less creepy nowadays because it's so normal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people get catfished and stuff. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um. So she was like, husband, I need to fly out to Reno for a Mary Kay convention. And which is also believable. Um. But he didn't question her. And so she's like, bye, husband. I hope you enjoy my three kids while I go to Reno. I'm going to have fun. Even a month into our marriage. Yeah. Um. So Jerry and Cherie made plans to do like this role play meet cute. Um, they plan. All I can on- think of is, is that show. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We're no. Phil and Phil and um, what's her face? Oh, meet yes. every, every Valentine's <laughs> Day. Modern Family. Yeah. So I can't remember their names. It's something French, Phil- but it's oh yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> God, I love that show. Oh, I want to watch that show now. <laughs> uh, so Jerry, they made these plans to have this like role play meet cute. Um, they planned on her walking up to the blackjack table where Jerry would be dealing and she'd be like dressed in all sexy or whatever and pretend not to know him and be like, hit me. And, you know, they make this whole thing sexy or whatever. Whoa. (laughs) Sounds super spicy. (laughs) Then after his shift, so obviously this happened and then he walked her around the casino to like introduce her to everyone like yo this is my girlfriend and she's like hey guys you know and he was so proud of her um what <laughs> you um, cracked me up when you try to voice people hey <laughs> <laughs> guys <laughs> uh the weekend was super romantic for the two of them and jerry was like full-blown in love head over heels in love with her sheree goes home and they continue the affair um jerry even called his mom on the phone a handful of times to tell her how much he was in love with with sheree and Uh sheree would i know sheree would like change her screen name to things like jerry's fool and jerry would change it to sheree's fool which is like (laughs) How old are you? So cute. <laughs> um, they ended up meeting a few more times. Cherie tells her husband, Bruce, that she has to go to Reno for whatever reason for Mary Kay. And Bruce is like, all right, babe, I'll pay for it. Oh, which is like. How so many messed up. It's yeah. so messed up. But how many com- like, yeah. are we not questioning? Come on, this? man. Come on, Bruce. <laughs> Come on. Um, take a hint. Take a hint. He's just still in that honeymoon stage, so he doesn't question anything. (laughs) Uh, Also, the internet was so new, Bruce wasn't, like... Right, yeah. Like, questioning what she was doing. He didn't even know she was on the internet. And dating online wasn't even a thing then. So, a few months into this internet relationship, Jerry got an email from Sheree telling him that she was pregnant with his child. And Jerry was like, oh my gosh, I've always wanted a family again, like my own, you know, because I don't have a family because my wife left me um, because I was partying too hard. And so, like, he did have, like, a little bit of custody of his one son from his ex-wife, but she had the kid all the time. So he was like, I'm so excited to have a family again. And Cherie would update him with photos of the pregnancy test, like send him photos of the pregnancy test, the sonograms, 
and even a photo of her like sitting in the chair with like her belly out and like she it was just like of her belly and i mean he could tell it was her belly but yeah anyways so (laughs) jerry was on cloud nine one day jerry got a chat from sheree and she told him that bruce which i'm not even sure how she presented bruce to jerry but like she may have like said like he was an ex or a current husband i'm not a thousand percent sure but she said bruce was abusive and was not a good man oh. and that he was part of the mafia and she had to listen to bruce and do whatever bruce said and he is also high up in the mafia world in flint michigan and uh, she was scared that she couldn't do anything because everyone would tell him and like she'd probably die or something. And every day she wasn't with Jerry. It was because Bruce was keeping her on lockdown. But she told Jerry that Bruce found out about the relationship, aka the affair. And this is where everyone skip 10 seconds if you don't want to hear it. Um, he ended up beating her up and she lost the baby because of it. um and okay now we're back after this heartbreaking aim session she sends him photos of her stomach and that it had bruises on it so when jerry got these photos he told her you know i cannot believe this and no one's going to get away with this he was just super upset so jerry sheree and jerry let things cool off for a bit and a few weeks later sheree messages him and says i have great news i am pregnant again again wait when did you see him though by this time she was pregnant with twins oh she was pregnant with twins and it's his his babies his juice Um, yeah jerry didn't question it though even though they hadn't seen each other in a few weeks that's that's my Um, question (laughs) But, you know, this came super quick after this miscarriage, which was also not a miscarriage. But he was so excited to have a family. He didn't question it. He was just so happy. Then, November 5th, 1999, Jerry got an email from Bruce in all caps. And it said, Sheree is growing fat with two bastards in her. She has decided she doesn't like the excess weight. So she decided to get an abortion. Oh, my gosh. This triggered Jerry because he was like, nah, dog, those are my babies, and you are abusive. You're probably making her do it. So he calls all the hospitals in Flint with no trace of her. He calls her cell phone with no way to reach her, so he writes her on AOL and says he is worried. He finally gets, you know, or saying that he was worried. He finally gets gets a message from Cherie on an unknown screen name stating, This is Cherie. I'm going away for a few days. I will contact you sometime next week. And then he got another email from Bruce that said, well, Jerry, she told me she would be home soon. I think the abortion went fine. She sounds like she felt better knowing she wasn't having any more kids. Thank you for making my relationship with my wife better. Obviously, Cherie was lying to Jerry about all of it. She was sending the emails from Bruce. And all the pregnancies and the abuse from Bruce, the bruises on her stomach were just her makeup. And the pregnant bellies was just her pushing her stomach out. And all this time, Bruce didn't know any of this. He didn't know about Jerry or Cherie chatting with anyone or her visits to Reno. Um, He was just living his life thinking his marriage was going great with three stepkids. What so, in the world? Where? What? Where is your brain? I know. Um, here's another the uh, another trigger. Um, for anyone that wants to skip about ten seconds. Um, if it's also not significant to the story, really. But to make matters worse, she sent Jerry a follow up email stating that she did not seek out an abortion, that she was actually gang raped repeatedly from Bruce's mafia friends, causing her to miscarry. What? Oh, my gosh. So she was making disturbing lies. Everything that Sheree had told him um, was, like, boiling in Jerry's mind. And finally, this last email that she got, he got from Sheree just set him off. She was no longer safe in Flint, and he had to rescue her and her kids. Um, 
So he messages her and says, I'm coming for you and the kids. What is the fastest way into Bruce's yard? Where is he going to be? Yada, yada, yada. And she tells him and also says, oh my gosh, Jerry, I'm so scared. Like, what if this doesn't work? Bruce will kill me. And then they share two emails back and forth about how much they love each other and spending the rest of their lives together. And at one point in the email, Cherie asks, Jerry, can you really do this? Like, what do you mean, Sherry? Do what? Yeah. Do what, Sherry? Sherry? Yeah. So at this point, Jerry is now living with his cousins in Missouri. So he drove the nine-ish hours to Michigan with a 20-gauge shotgun. And on the night of November 8th, Jerry snuck into the yard through the offices. And at the same time, Bruce was on the phone with Sherry telling her that he was about to leave and that he'd be picking up pizza on the way home. So the police at first made Cherie a person of interest because it was always, it's always a spouse, right? Yeah. But she had an alibi. She was at home with her three kids and had an appropriate reaction. Remember, she was on the floor sobbing. That's right. That's pretty appropriate. Yeah. 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 That's That's perfectly normal. Yeah. So they're like, nah, she checks out. So nothing was connecting to Cherie to the murder of Bruce. And so the police actually had their eyes on Bruce's friend, John, because Bruce owed John money and John had, you know, got mad one day. And someone told the police that they overheard John say, if he doesn't give me my money, I'm gonna kill him. Oh, so the police were like, yeah, we need to connect him to the murder. But nothing was really sticking. John eventually tells the police, like, they brought him in, and they're interrogating him, and he was like, you guys, like, you guys need to really actually look at Sheree, because she's trouble. So the police were like, oh, okay, okay. That's a valid point. (laughs) He said the two had dated at some point, and when Bruce and Sheree got together, John was like, nah, dog, don't date her. She's straight up trouble. So the police were like, we'll look into Sheree some more. Two days after Bruce was found dead, locals claim they saw Cherie at a bar enjoying herself, dancing on Dane's floor and like drinking and socializing and stuff. And the police were like, that's not appropriate reaction. There's appropriate and inappropriate reaction. That is definitely inappropriate reaction. The investigation stalled out, unfortunately. But within those months, she met a guy and actually moved him in to Bruce's old home. You know, her dead husband's home. That's appropriate. Yeah. So her biggest mistake was actually ghosting Jerry because after he shot and killed Bruce, he had time to go home without going to see her, which I thought was kind of weird. He went, shot Bruce, and then went back to Missouri without, like, stopping by being his girlfriend. Um, That you just killed someone for? Yeah. But so he, he went home, and that's when he, like was able to like get some clarity he started put it started putting the pieces together and realized that she had lied about everything and then eventually came to terms that he was manipulated by the sick woman causing him to kill an innocent man oh man so because jerry was not stupid and he was was a home had homicide detective training he went back got all of their conversations printed out Every single communication that they had with each other, the photos, the fake pregnancy tests, the belly picture printed. He got everything, dude. He got receipts. In the letter, he made a detailed reason and every step and tool that he used to kill Bruce and how Cherie's lies ultimately affected him. And also, he said Cherie helped him set it all up. And he had the evidence on a silver yep. platter. That's baby. why he didn't want them to open it by themselves. Yep. yep. Okay. So, okay. So yeah, that that yes. was right. What I said, he was maybe because he was a homicide detective. Yeah. So it, like, if someone opened it by themselves, they could have falsified those mm-hmm. documents, right? Or someone could claim. But if there's oh, multiple witnesses, I didn't even think about that. That's genius. Yeah. So Cherie was brought in for questioning. And she was not very remorseful. She was super defensive. But thanks to all the evidence that Jerry gathered, they were able to arrest her. Throughout her trial, she tried to make Jerry look like an obsessive person. Like she tried to say she kept 
she was trying to keep getting him to leave her alone. She was like, I don't know. I kept trying to break up with him, but he wouldn't like leave me alone. And in the messages, it showed that Jerry and Cherie agreed that Jerry was going to call her from Bruce's cell phone and let the phone ring once and hang up. And that would be the signal that Bruce was killed, which from the phone records. Right. They, she called him for the pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, the main question during the trial, though, was that what was the motive? And one thing pops out, which came straight from Cherie herself. She said at the beginning of their marriage, she spent all of Bruce's money. She knocked out, maxed out all of his credit cards. So there's a motive. So Cherie ended up being convicted of second degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder along with a few separate charges, leaving her with a combined life sentence on top of an additional 81 years of t in prison. Dang. Um, but on July 16th, 2009, a federal judge ordered Cherie's immediate release on bond pending a new trial, which means her attorney must have submitted an appeal and they, so they had to, like revisit fight it. it again yeah okay. so during the break she had from prison she was allowed to allowed her to reconnect with her children but ultimately the court decided to stay with a first conviction so she didn't win that appeal um the relationship she made with her children seemed to stick because when she headed back to prison to drop her off her daughter she looked at her daughter and was like wow i really messed up and at the age of 44, Cherie was finally um, finally admitted to helping arrange the murder of Bruce and wrote a letter to the judge confessing everything. So many have asked Cherie, why did she do it in the first place? And she said it was like a video game. Each man was a new level and each was harder and harder. It was seeing, it was seeing how much I could get away with, how much I could make somebody believe. And her writing the, that letter confessing everything to the judge voided any of her overturns um so she can never appeal to it again um and she will be eligible for parole in 2055 when she's 84 years old dang <sighs> that was a good one i had so much fun with this one so he committed suicide before she was let back out right he did he commit suicide before she was even found yeah like before they even blamed it on her yeah okay okay that's what i thought but yeah but he went back and like printed all that stuff afterwards though like Correct. before he did it okay okay yeah all so, right yeah cause he went home and uh committed uh figured everything out printed everything um and pr that's how they were able to find out about her. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Are you messing so. with something? No. Uh, the dog is eating something. Oh, okay. That's what I'm hearing. Okay. It's I'm okay. Sorry. Nope. It's fine. Um, that was a really good one. Um, Thank you. I, I feel bad for him though. <laughs> I know. Me too. He was a very, like, I don't, he was just a very sad person. And he was a very sad person. He seemed like he was a good person too, overall. It, I think, like he, it was unfortunate because he just kept getting in like unfortunate events. His intentions were good. So, tell me a story, please. Okay, so I am going to tell you about a land down under, Atlantis. We are going to the outback, and I'm not going to even try with my Australian voice today because <laughs> my accent is the worst. But it's I do so dig bad. a guy, or just anyone with an Australian accent. I love Australians; their accents are so cool. Like I know, uh, and they're just like really cool people. Yeah, they seem really awesome and bluey. You know. Anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, good old bluey. All right, so I'm going to tell you about the Airedale Mental Hospital, not Arendelle, to be confused with Frozen. Airedale Mental Hospital. It is so Airedale. Oh, this one's going to be juicy. Oh, it's super. It's amazing. Uh, Airedale Asylum is located in Ararat, Ararat, 
uh, Victoria, Australia, and it was Australia's first mental hospital. Oh, cool. Construction began in 1864 and officially finished in 1866, but the, I guess the first patient's were like there in like 1865 so they're doing construction still while they were there. Airedale Asylum was created to treat and care for psychiatric and mentally ill patients or people who suffered from dum 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 postpartum depression, autism, anxiety, depression, PTSD, Down syndrome, and I'm sure like the menses and like riding on the horse if you didn't want your wife or your kids. Oh and criminals. Also so we're putting criminals in with these handicapped um people yeah yeah good, so. good old good old history uh, yes we have uh illness. we have definitely gotten better since then so i'm just we have. i'm just gonna say that um <laughs> so it was built like many of the other asylums at the time according to it was built to according to like the kirkbride plan which uh when i saw that it remain, reminded me of another asylum that i talked about um, cause oh. it was built with the same type of thing. It's called, it was the trans Allegheny lunatic asylum in New York. Hashtag yeah. episode 18. It was self-sufficient being in its own community. Essentially it had its own market gardens, uh, orchard vineyards, a piggery, I guess, I guess it's where they slaughter them. I assume, um, other stocks kept on that were kept on the grounds and, they also had a morgue and a cemetery and some gallows for some old-fashioned hanging. Anyway, you know, there were criminals there, so it's definitely needed in an asylum. Yeah, an asylum. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, the complex was made uh, is made up of seventy buildings. Some websites said sixty-three, but I think the actual website that they have says seventy. So we're just going to say oh. seventy or around that number. Okay. Um, one distinctive feature from the asylum uh, was the use of the haha walls, which consisted <laughs> of a trench on the. It consisted of a trench on the side of the hospital and the other side, a flat plane from the. So so okay so, like, picture the hospital wall like from inside the hospital, and like right before the wall, it dips down into like this trench, so it ends up being like ten feet on the hospital okay. side but yeah. to the outside world it looks like this four foot wall because there's no trench on uh, the yeah it's level okay so it was it, it you couldn't escape it essentially yeah. uh and also it looked good to the outside so people didn't think hey look there's a prison right there no it's it just looked like a nice little community i really Gotta keep like up appearances. that uh you know it's called the ha ha well, yeah, I know. Like, I know. Uh, I uh, that's gotcha. I know. I didn't need to put that in there, but I I thought it was really interesting and I like the name. That's funny. <laughs> you fell <laughs> down there. You, <laughs> you fell stuck. Down there. <laughs> <laughs> uh at its peak, it housed almost a thousand patients or inmates Jeez. as they were referred to as and oh. 500 staff to care for them. Uh patients were subject to super appropriate treatments including restraints. Um, electroshock therapy, old lobotomies, uh, chemical oh, treatments okay. that used mercury and being As... like, just like secluded. That's um, so sad. just, and some who self-harmed themselves had to wear like rigid leather gloves so they couldn't hurt themselves, which I, I get. Yeah. I, I feel like that's appropriate. You don't yeah. want someone to cut themselves because like, they can still true. use their fingernails. Yeah, that's true. I get that. Um, the, I mean, they should probably provide some other things like therapy, but um, yeah, you know, just just throw them in yeah. a padded room with some gloves on, and they'll be gloves fine. Gloves on their hands. Yeah. Uh, the mental hospital finally closed its doors in 1993, eventually transferring the remaining patients to the Thomas Embling Hospital in Fairfield. Anyway, okay. so we're going to go over some of the tragedy and deaths. Um, during the 130 years of operation, over 13,000 people fell victim to this prison, like died, including Jeez. patients and staff due to natural causes, illnesses, treatments, violence, suicide, and more. Oh and more. Gosh. In 1886, George Fidemont 
a governor who was proudly showing a group of people like visiting the facility. Um, He was like showing them around and I guess he was coming down one of the stairwells. And while he was coming down, he suffered from a major heart attack and died right there on the spot. So that sucks. Oh my gosh. Uh, a regular criminal here. This one's my favorite. Um, named Gary Webb. Webb was held here. He was put in after I. I guess he committed like many, many crimes. But like he finally got caught whenever he was robbing a pizza shop. And <laughs> he, sh- I know, like what? A, what a petty th- crime. However, he did <laughs> shoot the police officer and the shop owner. Both did live. So Open. he was first print, uh, sentenced to prison for 14 years um, because I guess he didn't officially kill them, but he was super messed up. And while he was there, he began writing letters to the media telling them horrible things that he would do whenever he would get out. Oh and so God. like a special law was passed. So he ended up getting locked up for life. Oh, so, that's good. I know. I don't know if this this was like separate in a, like an actual prison or if he was like in the asylum doing this. So I don't know. Oh, but okay. he, anyway, he eventually ended up in the asylum, and he began to be one of the people who self harmed themselves. Um, okay. He ended up being hospitalized over seventy times after cutting himself, and he Jeez. even attempted to cut off his own penis three times. The third time, it was too damaged, so they couldn't reattach it. Oh, no. Sorry, Candy. <laughs> Gross. Uh, one of the past superintendents, a likely doc- a Dr. William Mullen, in 1912 committed suicide by swallowing persic acid or hydrogen <gasps> cyanide. Oh, my gosh. And, and it's depressing there. In one yeah. case between two male inmates who were – who I guess were actually, like, friends, they had a job in the asylum and they worked on the farm because everybody, like, it was self-sustaining. They all did work. Um, yeah. But they worked on the farm at the asylum and one day, like, something happened between the two of them and one of them killed the other one with a shovel. What I don't know heck? much who – what their names were or anything. Uh Evidently, there were three prisoners that were once hanged at the gallows and buried here, and their graves were marked with only three small scratches in on the prison wall. That's uh, and There's that's all I got for you. Dentists. Yeah, lot. Oh yeah, tons there, and that's not even that's not even putting a dent in it. Thirteen thousand people. That's a lot. Okay, so we're gonna get to the paranormal stuff. Okay. First off, you can hear fez- heavy footsteps made by hobnailed boots, which I assume are just like steel-toed boost boots. Yeah. You Australians, fancy names. Okay, say it again. What's it called? Hobnailed boots. Maybe, yeah, that's got to be it. That's not a knife. That's <laughs> a knife. Okay, you said I'm you done. weren't. I know. Yep, you said. <laughs> sorry, I know. <laughs> She's so bad. I love I love Australians so much. You guys are the best. Anyway, okay. So um you can hear steel toed boots walking up and down the stairs and people believe it's 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 like the same hopnailed. H O B N A I L E D. Okay, it says in footwear a hobnail is a short nail with a thick head used to increase the durability of a boot sole to provide traction. Oh, so it's like um, cleats. Yeah, they're like cleats. Oh, okay, okay. So probably like lots of click clacks. Yeah, clicky clack, like little tap shoes. Tap shoes. Okay, so heavy Sorry. footsteps. You're fine. I'm glad you elaborated that. So people hear footsteps from boots like that, um, walking up and down the stairs, specifically the stairwell where that guy had a heart attack, old George. Old oh. George. Old George. Poor guy. Um, Poor guy. In the former room where Gary, with no penis, stayed, people have heard disembodied voices saying, get out. 
Um, visitors have reported tasting a bitter taste in their mouths when passing the former superintendent's office, the one who committed suicide with the acid. I wonder. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, in the women's ward, ward, it's believed to be haunted by a past nurse named Carrie, whose apparition has been seen disappearing in walls, still probably doing her job taking care of people. Uh. So I know, yeah, especially like taking care of people. <laughs> can I just be in, done? In an asylum. <laughs> yeah, can I just be done with all of this? <laughs> I did my part. I did my part. <laughs> in the man's infirmary, have uh, many have experienced something more aggressive. A staff member once captured a picture while alone in there of a very clear figure at the end of the hallway, just like watching them, and it's it's, it's very clearly a person. Like you can see the different layers of clothing. What the heck? Yeah, it was really creepy. I don't uh, like that. Figures in a nurse's uniform are often seen throughout the facility. A nine-foot-tall woman has been seen running towards oh the woman's ward. I'm betting that's the nurse, Carrie. Uh, shadow people have been seen. Disembodied voices have been heard. There's been a lot of like intellectual interaction with throughout paranormal or through paranormal equipment. Yeah. Uh, some people have been reported have reported being pushed or even bitten while walking <gasps> through the J ward. Oh my gosh. Equipment has caught multiple Wait, voices. Hold on. Do you think it hurts when they get bit? Yeah. Yeah, and they probably have like marks on them. Do you think did they I mean have to say to bit? Go, like... I feel like I meant to say pinched. Maybe bit. I think I did mean to see, say bit. Yeah. Maybe they have like teeth marks on them. And do you think that, like, they have to go get, like, a shot afterwards? No. No, I don't. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think they're good. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not that bad of a bite, but it's probably like, ouch, something just bit me. Yeah. It's a mosquito okay. bite. <laughs> we're, in, we're in Australia, for heaven's sakes. Like, there's yeah. wild animals at every, every corner. Um, yeah. Equipment has caught uh, multiple voices all at once saying, help me in one case, like <gasps> a whole bunch. Like they were talking about in one of the cases, like somebody was like listening through one of the vo ghost boxes or whatever. And they heard like so many voices come out and say like, all at the same time, like, help me, help me, help me, help me. What the heck? That's sad. That's so um, sad. Reports of feeling ill or nauseous while in on the premises tingling mm -hmm. sensation especially on the head in the shock therapy ward <gasps> sounds of ticking clocks uh and banging on the walls equipment malfunctioning uh singing screaming humming has been heard feeling of sadness and fear and on i did watch i didn't have time to watch all of them i i did but I got a lot of juice from this one, and I don't like to ruin yeah. it for everybody who wants to look it up on YouTube themselves. So on YouTube, there is a group called Paranormal Quest. Also, Amy's Crypt saw them too, or went there too, and so did – what was the other group called? I can't remember. But three groups went there at the same night. They're all separate YouTube channels, but they're all like paranormal investigators. Uh -huh. um, I watched the Paranormal Quest one. And on uh -huh. their YouTube, they investigated the asylum and they were all like allowed to go to like different sections throughout the night. And they went into the man's infirmary, which is where like the aggressive spirits are. Um, and they heard what sounded like a child's voice. They had intellectual communication with something. Something was like constantly touching their meters. And even <gasps> whenever they asked it, it would go and touch it. And then after they would touch it after them asking the spirit box would say i did or did what? then they asked if whatever was there wants them gone to knock over one of the pieces of equipment and they didn't knock it over but the ghost box came out and said knife so <laughs> yeah um they also caught whatever saying leaf uh chains you them hiding help dead and lots of other voices that sounded like adult and children's voices oh just a lot gosh. of really eerie like they were getting stuff like crazy yeah. um whenever i have more time or just more 
less children bothering me, I'll probably go and watch the other two people that investigated it as well. So check them out on YouTube. Um, just look up the asylum and you can find there. They should be like the first couple of videos that pop up. Yeah. Um, so that's what I got for paranormal. Um, I did get some Yelp. I'm scared reviews. <gasps> really? Or, Yelp! Okay. But why? Because it is actually, um, open to the public for, uh, tours now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, I'll get more into that in a minute. Okay. So an aerosol S said I was doing, so I, there was a lot more in this one, but I took a lot of it out. It said I was doing it for a video. We had seen a, we had seen a face in the maiden's room. I got scared. Then we went to the church. I heard footsteps. I left at three. I did the spirit box a door closed. I felt sick when I got home. I threw up my food that I had that day. Oh my gosh. So, um, but they, you know, it was still, they were not upset about it. I'm glad they Um, weren't. On their Facebook, they've got quite a few reviews on Facebook. Um, Someone in SC had said, first ever three hour ghost hunting tour at Airedale tonight. Gorgeous place, huge, loads of scary stories. Loads of scary stories, um, <laughs> history, which I love. Awesome range of ghost hunting. No. Sorry. Um, uh, S-I-R-I started talking on my phone. Um, I'd yell at her. Loads it's funny of that you have. It's funny that you have to spell her name. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I didn't want to say it and make her. I think scary made her pop up. Uh, um, so loads of spooky stories, history, which I love awesome range of ghost hunting gadgets to use. I encountered the best communication with spirit. I I've ever had mind blowing, undeniable, intelligent responses from spirit captured on video. Our guide Jasmine was fabulous, had a ball and we'll be back for the six hour tour. Uh, we need to see and experience more. And Whoa. lots of happy emojis. Um, I also, I just want to point out, um, most of these comments had, like, great things to say about one specific tour guide, and her name is Jasmine. So um, if you still Jasmine. work there, you are doing awesome at your job because people love you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and the last one I got from Facebook, uh, it's from ATS, and it says, The atmosphere was spooky, and it honestly felt like someone was watching you the entire time. <sighs> While we're in the room where the they performed lobotomies, I could smell something really rotten, like something had died in the room. The smell only started... Uh, to arise just before we were leaving the room, but there was obviously nothing there. And at the same time, my right eye started to get really sore. It felt like I had been punched. All in all, I would highly recommend putting this place on your bucket list first if you haven't already been there. I definitely will be going back for more paranormal for the six-hour investigation. Everybody says to do a six-hour investigation. So. Interesting. <laughs> it I just reminds go. me. She got punched in the face. It reminds me of uh, Mean Girls. She's like, Regina George punched me in the face once. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as of today, Aridel Asylum belongs to Melbourne Polytechnic. Um, I don't know who that is. Um, they've established a campus and hospitality training facility. The place also has a vineyard, olive grove, and a lavender farm. But most importantly... It is a place where you can tour to learn the history of it and paranormal tours, like hours and hours and hours of a paranormal tour. And you're going with like professionals and they provide you like tons of ghost hunting equipment. Um, However, on a lot of the reviews, it says bring a torch. So, cause there's no electricity. I don't know why they say torch. That's, that's what Australians call flashlights. I don't know. But everyone said to bring a torch. And I'm like, what is this, like the 1800s? <laughs> is that, no is that what you guys call allowed. flashlights? Or, okay, it, maybe that's what they call a flashlight. Or what about this? Flashlights don't work in there. Ooh. Like the ghosts just turn off. Yeah, turn that's true because the equipment malfunctions a lot. I don't know. Maybe they do mean bring a torch. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a different world, so... <laughs> If you are from Australia, can you tell us if yeah. 
a you guys, torch is. Yeah. What's a torch? What's a torch? Bring your torch and pitchforks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was a good um, one. Thanks. I want to go there really bad. Um, I want to go there. I, th- I think that's the most one that I want to go to. Yeah, it's it's I I like that you can go with like a big group of people and like a lot of people say that it's scary, but like I feel like you'd still feel somewhat safe, especially like you're with other with people. the big group. Yeah. yeah, and there's professionals there too, and it's just really cool that you can like learn about how to actually investigate because I've never actually investigated before, and that would be really flipping cool. That would be really cool. It'd probably poop that up hands, awesome. but it'd be super cool. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Australia, for uh, for providing you, Australia. Um, spooky places. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, do you want to hear my neighborhood story? You betcha. Okay, so this is from BuzzFeed, actually. Um, I used okay. to live in a house. I used to live in a house that was split into two apartments. My neighbors had the lower half. And I learned that we had issues with the HVAC when their cigarette smoke came visibly pouring out of our registers. Stack up, st- stink up everything we owned. Then one of them stole my car. So, <gasps> oh, that would like suck. Terrible neighbors. Yeah, seriously, yeah. neighbors from hell. That sucks. Yeah. And that stuff does not so, come out either. No, it doesn't. Like, you have to wash, every, like, wash it and wash it and wash it and wash yeah. it. Yep. That'd be so annoying if, like, all, like, you knew your neighbor smoked, but then all of a sudden, like, their smoke is, like, coming Pouring into, into your, your house. Oh, my God. I'd be so mad. Go smoke outside. <laughs> I, would, I would be so ticked. And then they stole your car. Sounds yeah. like just, like, crappy people. Yeah. Yeah. They suck. They uh, suck. You neighbors, yeah. you suck. You suck. Uh, so we're going to get, send in your kids' spooky stories because we really want to do mm-hmm. that. And we and also love help to... us come up with a better name for it. <laughs> yeah. We need to think of something better. Kitty. No, that's stupid. I was going to say kitty corner. The hot dumb. pockets are done. <laughs> do you hear my microwave? Yeah. <laughs> i hate recording out here <laughs> it's okay you're okay you're fine i promise okay thanks for listening guys yeah and have you checked in on the neighbors what's with the neighbors bring amy out oh bring amy out say hi to your cats for us yeah say meow don't get dead don't get dead